everyone, and welcome to the Riffing on Realness podcast. I'm Carla Royal, a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving entrepreneurs, and with me is Juliette Fay, a poet and three principles facilitator. If you are wrestling with how to be real in the midst of rampant superficiality, and it's causing you to overthink, be too guarded, and not live your potential, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, Juliet and I explore how dropping the masks, being real and vulnerable, can help us connect, adapt, and find a richness of experience amid the chaos. We're glad you're here, and we invite you to tune in, slow down, and listen for your own wisdom. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Carla. So we were just talking about um, some... um, personal things and some cultural things that are going on right now and how both of us are feeling some sense of being in limbo and how difficult that that feels <laughs> how challenging it can be to to feel like you're in limbo so we thought it would be we figured that our listeners are feeling some of that too, whether personally or what's going on with the pandemic or politically and um, holidays. We're, we're sort of in the middle of holidays, at least here in the U.S. and I think for you too, Juliet. And we thought that it might be a very interesting topic to riff on today uh, because it is. It is challenging when one is in limbo. Yeah, this is a topic that feels like we can um, go riff on today and probably again in three months and again in three months and again, because it sort of um, limbo really is, is it's funny, isn't it? It's another word for uncertainty, but limbo for me has a particular character. It feels like being suspended, mm-hmm. you know, sort of um, suspended animation and it's it's really interesting to notice the discomfort uh, around limbo. I mean, I, I it's not for the first time. I will confess to being having strong control freakery tendencies, <laughs> and limbo really doesn't go with that um, at all. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Carla? Yes, it you know it for me. It's just the unknown aspect of it that that proves to be challenging for me, you know, living in in the unknown. And again, we know from brain science that the brain does not like uncertainty. (laughs) It, it, It really likes the familiar, it really likes certainty. And so you know, we we kind of often give our sense, uh, give ourselves a sense, an illusion of control, an illusion of certainty. And I think the truth is that there ne- there really isn't any certainty. Period. But we do kind of um, um, organize our lives in such a way that we buy into the illusion of certainty. So when something like a pandemic comes along or um, personal issues come along that, that interrupt that, that um, buy-in to the illusion of certainty, it, it, kind of, it, it kind of knocks us off balance a little bit, or it can. And I know that I have some personal things right now and then the pandemic and the holidays that are giving me a kind of a sense of wobble, wobbliness. And so I find that Juliet, that my my emotions are just like on this roller coaster. Like one day, 
I'm just fine. Like today I feel, I feel good. I feel, you know, pretty stable. I feel like, okay, I don't really know what's going to happen next, but I'm okay with that. I, I believe that the universe is a friendly place. I believe that life is living me. I believe that, that, um, you know, things are unfolding as they should. And I have a real trust in that today and I feel good. But then yesterday, man, <laughs> I was just, I was feeling agitated afraid, um, just like, oh my God, I've got to figure this out. You know, I wanted to just figure everything out and um, I couldn't. And one of the reasons I couldn't is because we know from research that we are horrible at predicting the future. So when I try to predict what's going to happen, I'm no good at it. And I just make up all these stories. And a lot of the stories I can make up when I'm in that agitated state are, are stories of fear and suffering and doom and despair <laughs> because I have a very active imagination. So, yeah, it's, it, it's yesterday, honestly, I just felt like I was going to crawl out of my skin and then today, I just, I'm fine. Yeah, and, that, and it's fascinating to see that, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. It it really it reminds me, I, I, I sort of found myself reflecting this morning that, um, you know, when I feel insecure, and I'm just using that as a broad coverall, but all the things you said, worrying about the future, you know, um, going over, perhaps dwelling, ruminating about the past. You know, I've got lots of flavours of insecurity, but those two basically it's usually one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, just as you said, it, it looks so real and true. And I found myself reflecting on the fact that, and I know in a better state of mind, those things recede, just like you said, you know, um, I'm happier to, in fact, I can find the unknown really interesting, you know, be really curious about it. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself thinking that um, you've got this paradox that when we feel insecure, what we feel insecure about looks true. Mm -hmm. And when we don't, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And and I found myself thinking, well, you know, I can try and like pretend those insecurities don't exist or, or, you know, suppress them or ignore them. But I find that I have mixed success with that <laughs> because mm -hmm. they feel very compelling when they're present. But so it, it sort of feels as if, I think it goes back to something you often often mention on our, on our calls that just that that sort of acknowledgement that honoring even of you know this is what i'm in right now and it feels looks and feels true kind of is a kind of act of caring for oneself mm -hmm. and and we might get really stuck in and we might as you say even though a, be a better part not better part but another part of us knows we're not going to really probably come up with anything <laughs> helpful or useful but we sometimes we we do that you know we want to kind of play in that space as it were and but what was coming for me this morning was um another theme that we've often brought up is 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 how uncomfortable we are with being uncomfortable mm -hmm. and I think that's what drives a lot of the I've got to find a, a solution 
because we don't like how it feels. We don't like that kind of, you know, I'm at risk, I'm threatened, I'm, 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 and what are we talking about? What is at risk or threatened, really? That's the piece I'm really curious about. And I'd love to explore that a bit more. What exactly feels so uncomfortable and threatened in that situation? Yeah, there are two things you, you've just said that, that piqued my interest. Um, one was the first word was curiosity. And the other one is discomfort. And um, anybody who, who knows me very well knows that I'm kind of the princess and the pea kind of person. Like I, I am all about comfort and any kind of discomfort. And, and I'm talking about right now, I'm talking more about physical discomfort. It's like, I just can't, I just hate to be physically uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm always trying to mitigate that. I'm always trying to manage that. And, and, um, and it's, and I've thought about that, like, yes, what is the problem? Why is discomfort so hard on me? And the other word you mentioned was curiosity. And I was, I was um, working on a course that I'm creating and, and was reading a research article on curiosity and how incredibly useful and helpful curiosity is to us and that it actually makes us smarter and it and it also people perceive curious people as smarter <laughs> and and i i do think it's very interesting because curiosity to me is like taking off the blinders so that you can see so much more and, and when we don't have curiosity i think we have tunnel vision and then the third piece so i'm just sort of throwing this out at you uh, Juliet, but the third thing is like, yes, about who is who is suffering. I am interested in that. I was I was walking yesterday in the woods, thinking about that very thing. You know who? Because I was having a hard time yesterday. I was really agitated. Just wanted to crawl out of my skin. I was very uncomfortable in every way, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, physically. And I did. I asked myself that question: Who is? Who is suffering right now? And the only thing I could come up with was my mind. My mind is suffering. That's it. Mm. Like, like not who I am at my essence, not fundamentally, my fundamental who, whatever, but just my mind. My mind is just suffering. Yeah. And I was curious about that. Mm, I love that. And what an interesting phrase when you said I wanted to crawl out of my skin. And you said it twice. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. Crawl out of my mm -hmm. skin? Mm -hmm. Because that just, you know, that really is throwing the question to me because I've been pondering about this too. Um, You know, it, it the mind is is you know is it that the mind is both the cause and at the effect of the same thing? So I don't know if this is going to make any sense at all, but but <laughs> so please come in if it doesn't. But um, I was I was kind of curious over the weekend. I, I spent quite a lot of time on my own and walking and things and. Um, that, you know, as what we might call unpleasant sort of feelings or thoughts come in, 
it was sort of almost like, you know, is there a way in which my mind almost becomes this this feeling or this thought? So, so if I'm feeling, um, let's say, irritated, uh, you know, it's almost like is there is there no no difference between the irritation and me in that moment <laughs> in that moment that I feel irritated. You know, and, and like in a in a comical way, I'm just a ball of irritation, you know. <laughs> just gonna everything that comes in my way is gonna be really irritating. I kind of I've seen that piece before that, you know, that it's like a filter. But it was like, wow, is it is it more than that? Is it almost like a like a costume that I put on? And so that is me. Does that make any sense? I think it does, Juliet. I, I like that idea of the costume you put on or a character that you inhabit or, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I'm just thinking that research shows that we don't experience life out there. We experience our perception of life out there. And that feels, that perception just feels so utterly real and convincing and compelling in your words and I mean I, I think we're just designed that way it's just that if if we don't understand how it works then we're at its mercy you know then we we don't have any kind of agency there I guess you know I'm thinking about um, our boat we have this old outboard motor you know, not one of these fancy electronic ones on our little boat. And uh, and so, you know, we can pull off the cover and really tinker in there. And my partner has gotten, she knows what's going on in that motor. So when something happens, she can understand how to, what what's going on and how and what to do about it. And I think it's the same with our minds. If we don't really understand how our minds work, how it's created to work, designed to work, whatever word you want to use there, then we're kind of at its mercy. And we don't have the kind of agency we could have if we knew that what we're experiencing out there um, is not what's out there. It's our perception of what's out there. Well, that's like waking up to a magic trick. And once you see that magic trick and know how it works, you can't sort of unsee it. Now, I do have to say that my experience is, even though I know how the mind works and that I'm experiencing my perception, there are times I do forget that it's not real, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. And and maybe, you know, that that is just what happens. We just kind of go in and out of, um, mm-hmm. you know, seeing that and, and then not seeing it. And, and I, I love that, that... Uh, analogy of the of the uh outboard motor because like you say if it's um if it's uh on a more modern motor (laughs) i presume you just press start and that's it it either goes and if it doesn't well you're stuck (laughs) but i'm curious too about the um I feel like there's there's things just out of reach here. So so one of them is about the capacity we have to self-reference everything. And and but more interesting the times when we're not doing that. 
but maybe we don't even notice that we're not. So I suppose what I mean by that is going back to that thing of of being irritated. So um, it, it it's kind of, it feels like the difference between, uh, the best way I think I can, where I can see this is with somebody else. So if I'm in a very kind, if I'm feeling very warm towards humanity, which I do <laughs> quite quite often, but not always, <laughs> and I and I um, and I see somebody getting cross, you know, maybe I don't know with their dog on the beach or something, I can I can see that and and still feel very warm towards the person and the dog and and sort of in your words, maybe, you know, not get, um, is it that I don't take it personally? I don't start kind of getting in there and having to have an opinion about what's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I see it and I, and maybe my mind in that state will go towards, oh, you know, maybe that person's finding this puppy a handful or maybe that person's having a bad day or, um, and so, I don't know if this is really explaining it, but but the difference would be if I walk down the beach in my, in a really irritated state of mind, you know, I'm going to have 101 opinions about what that person should be doing <laughs> with their dog mm. or shouldn't be doing. And this has happened to me. I've had a, I've had a dog jump up at me on the beach. Uh, somebody, you know, I, I see and on most days I'd be kind of fairly benign about it. And one day I got really annoyed, <laughs> dog jumping up at me. And I, I'm not quite sure what I'm what I'm touching on, but I think when everything is self-referenced, and by that I mean ev- when what we're perceiving is seen as a commentary on us or we need an opinion on it, it's almost like everything goes filtered through this 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 me and and <laughs> it just depends whether me is in a kind of cranky mood or a you know, a warm mood as to as to how I would experience that. But my sense is doesn't have to go through that self-referencing. And there are lots of times when it doesn't, mm-hmm. when we're just experiencing something, mm-hmm. you know, a, a nice meal or a sunset or watching a, a film on TV. And there's no... Does that make any sense? There's well, no um, self-reference. Yeah, I'm wondering if um, what you mean by that is is uh, like you, in that moment, you're not making some meaning up about it. You're just having the experience of it rather than telling a story about it, rather than creating some meaning about it. Is that kind of what you're saying on to some extent? Uh, yeah, I think it is. and I But I think it's also... Uh, I mean, I'm right at the edge here of, of, of what I'm, I don't even quite know how to express it, but I think uh, it's always looked that, you know, having opinions about everything means you're engaged and you're passionate. I always thought it was good to have an opinion, you know, when wow. I was growing up to not have an opinion seems like, well, you don't know your own mind, you know, <laughs> you need to know what you think. And this is something about, it's not about being a bystander or neutral, this more feels like um, 
you know, like if it was a sort of, it doesn't have to take that path of being mm. referenced back to who we think we are and who we take ourselves to be and our opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more, it feels a more direct, yeah, maybe what you're saying, a direct experience. So not making stories, yeah, not making stories that with us at the centre of them. <laughs> I think that might be, oh, yeah. that might be something. yeah. yeah. Well, our opinions are so limited and they box us in. They are like those blinders we talk about, I think. And it I, and what keeps coming to my mind is, I don't know if it's a Buddhist recommendation. I don't know. But somewhere, some something I've read many, many times talks about, you know, I think Eckhart Tolle does and others. But, you know, if you go out and sit with a tree remove the label tree and just be with it, you know, just experience it afresh, experience it new without the label of tree, because the minute you label something, whatever it is, tree, person, whatever, then that's what you're seeing is you're seeing your label, your experience of it and not what it is. And so I think one of the things that happens in relationships is that um, we don't, we don't see that person we see our label of that person, our beliefs about that person, our, um, our, our made up stories about that person over time. And then we stop seeing that. I think, you know, when you first get with a new person, a new friendship, a new lover, whatever, you know, everything is new and fresh. And then you start to create your opinions about that person. And then now all of a sudden you're no longer seeing that person. So um, have I told, this is reminding me of a little metaphor. Have, have we talked about the, the dog, um, the, uh, the Doberman? Have I ever told that story? I don't think so. Well, so um, the story is like, imagine Juliet that you and I are in a room together and somebody just suddenly comes through the door with a Doberman. Now, let's say that you grew up with a Doberman and you adore Dobermans. And when you see that dog come through the door, your heart just fills with warmth and pleasure and joy. And you're so excited to see that dog. Now, let's say that I, on the other hand, as a little girl, um, was riding my bike one day and a Doberman jumped out at me and chased me down the road. And I ended up falling off my bike and hurting myself. Now, when that, and I never quite got over it, let's say. Now, when that dog comes through the door, I'm going to feel probably some terror. You know, I'm probably going to want to go hide. I'm probably going to want to stay far away from that dog. I'm going to probably feel some anxiety. Now, my question to you and to the listeners is, which of us is right about this dog, you or me? So what is your answer? Well, my first answer would have been, well, it kind of depends on the temperament of the dog, but what tumbled very quickly, second answer, because weirdly, I was surprised by a Doberman as a child. So I'm the other character in this story. I should have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was that... um, you know, the thing you often say about the future is unknown because how we would each experience the temperament of the dog would also be different. And who's to say wouldn't uh, impact the way the dog responds to us. Mm -hmm. And so 
we talk about separate realities my my sense is both right neither right I don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and and the answer I get most often when I ask that question and and for people who aren't um talking about the things we talk about really really thinking about these things but the the answer I get most often is oh well you're both right and I disagree I think neither of us is right And the reason neither of us is right is kind of you touched on it is neither of us know knows this particular dog. So if this particular dog is an attack dog, it doesn't matter how many good feelings you have about that dog. That dog let loose is going to attack. Conversely, if that dog is a service dog, it doesn't matter how frightened I am of that dog. That dog is not going to attack no matter what I do, no matter how what energy I put out. So the truth is that that dog, we don't know that dog. And we do this all the time with, with other people mm-hmm. where we don't know that person. You know, we're like, well, they're, they're a this political person supporter. Therefore, they must be this. Or they are, you know, or they are a lover of that. Therefore, they must be this. Or they're educated. Therefore, they must be this. Or they're not educated. Therefore, they must be this. Or, you know, they have a different color skin and therefore they must be, you know, and so we don't, it it ends up that we don't, we don't really see people. Mm -hmm. Now, what this has to do with, um, with limbo, I'm not sure. (laughs) We kind of gone around and around. Yeah, no, well, I've got a nice thread to pull on, pull us, maybe pull us back to that. So, so when you were saying that about the other person, you know, it was coming into my mind and that goes for us too. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. So powerfully that we think of ourselves as this kind of person and that kind of person and this happened to us, which makes us this and we always do that and we never do this and and we are not dealing or seeing or experiencing the living you know, aliveness of right now in which we touch on this, you touch on this a lot, Carla, that, you know, having the truth is that the possibility of this moment is totally unknown, just like standing in front of that Doberman. Actually, what is going to happen next is unknown. And the limbo piece there is a there is a connecting thread i'm sure there was <laughs> I, I have one if you yeah, can't go, think of one i go, have one <laughs> go for it go for it well what i mean i loved it like immediately i saw it because it's true because part of what happens for me when i'm in a place like i'm i'm in a, a limbo place personally right now myself and what I reference is who I've been in the past. And so I get very stuck in, well, this is how it's always gone before. This is, you know, this is just who I am. And I, and, and I can't help it. You know, I can't help that. It's just who I am. It's just my personality or whatever. Uh, And, and it really limits my ability, I think, to, 
to see this lim- place of limbo as a fresh opportunity, as something fresh that 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 anything could happen beyond my why. Because I sit there in my mind, I go, well, this couldn't work this way for sure. Well, that couldn't work. I'm certain of that. And again, I can't I can't predict the future. We're horrible at it. And so what I reference then, you know, I reference who I who I believe myself to be in all of my limitations and how I've reacted to, to the in the past to, to similar situations. And it puts blinders on my eyes and it um, and it's very, very uncomfortable. So that place of limbo becomes frightening instead of possibility instead of a place I could just get really, really curious. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a thread for me right there. Yeah. And, and, and I love that because the, you know, it just changes the whole feel of the word limbo when you connect it to possibility and that, that self-referencing that I was sort of slightly circling around, I think is, is you could see it in that example you gave. So, so it's not just that we see what we've created about other people, which is what we were touching on there, that we don't see the Doberman being a really great example. We don't actually see a creature, a black and tan, four-legged creature in front of us. We see all our stories. We go to our we go to our filing system, basically, don't we, in our mind and pull up what does it say about Dobermans but we're also doing that through the self-reference pieces that you know we're saying what does Carla say about Dobermans oh well this happened to Carla and that happened to Carla and Carla has this feeling and Carla has that feeling and it's exactly what you touched on that we're not saying the past didn't happen and things don't happen to us of course Mm -hmm. they do and continue all through our lives but we're saying that what we make of them, how much we pin that down as a fixed, um, therefore this is who I am, therefore this is how I behave, therefore this is what will happen to me, that piece begins to look really not solid in limbo. You know, when you talk about limbo and possibility, I really felt that distinction you made between... I need to have these things pinned down because this is my sense of self and this is important and this is what gives me identity and security in the world. So limbo looks threatening Mm -hmm. if we're in that place. But if we realise that all those things we take ourselves to be are changeable. Mm -hmm. And we know that, I mean, I know for myself, I'm completely inconsistent, you know, in... (laughs) take almost anything about me and I'm inconsistent you know what I said and did three months ago and what I say and do now you know there's there's all sorts of contradictions and when most of us look at ourselves that would also be true so you know we show up one day in one place this way and then we show up in an on another day in another place a completely different way and that's normal that's human and so I'm really curious that maybe when we hit against that discomfort, which was our other thread, you know, maybe there's an opportunity in there to see that this is life showing us where we're hitting up against the illusion 
of our of either of ourselves as a fixed you know solid thing or of our illusions around the world or our it, it's so funny. I don't know if I talked about this last week, but I heard this, somebody once say that, you know, in a conference that it was uh, Dr. Mark Howard said, and these days, you know, how I feel doesn't matter. Did I bring this up before, Carl? I don't recall. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, if you'd said that to me when I was a young woman, well, I'd have been highly offended for a start, you know. <laughs> What do you mean my feelings don't matter? My feelings were so important to me. Mm-hmm. And and when he said it two or three years ago, I you know, like when you can almost smell the freedom mm-hmm. in what he was saying. Yeah. Like, wow, imagine that if how I felt didn't matter so much, you know. And then just recently, I heard that phrase again, or it came back to my mind. And it was like, oh, how I feel doesn't matter. What if that were so? You know, because when I get insecure, I matter hugely. (laughs) What I want, what I don't want, what I feel, what I don't feel, what's happened, what hasn't happened, it all becomes really important. And when I'm not feeling in insecure you know I just like things don't matter so much I'm I'm more live and let live life's more enjoyable and I'm just really curious what there is to see in that mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's like I totally get what you're saying and I totally don't <laughs> it's not an unusual place for me to be Juliet. <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm a split personality but you know because I like you my emotions were for so many years everything to me and and so the idea is like what like there's still this part of me like what are you talking about Juliet how could we possibly our feelings not be that important and I also have experienced my emotions not being so important and how lighter I feel and how um, and, and how freer in your words, I, I do in fact feel. And yet when I'm caught in them and I'm not there, oh my gosh, they do. They feel so, so important. And, and I don't, I don't, you know, in those moments, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to, you know, I often talk about it, like the, the difference in having your emotions, emotions versus collapsing into your emotions. That's, that's kind of a way that that I can sort of get wrap my brain around it is I do know the difference between having an emotion and collapsing into my emotion. They're two very different experiences. Well, but what if, sorry, yeah, go ahead, go, go ahead. Well, the question that just came up then was, you know, what if our emotions are not personal? Well, they sure feel personal. <laughs> I know, I know they do. But that's the bit, and 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 this isn't something I I necessarily see. I'm just really intrigued by it at the moment. That I 
that it's back to that question of of that you asked on your walk of who is suffering and i love that image of wanting to get out of your skin and you're con- one of the things coming up that it's your mind that is suffering mm-hmm. and so it just i i'm just really i feel like i'm like i'm like pushing at a wall that isn't solid mm-hmm. here and there's just there's something about you know the you know we both have experienced the anguish of emotion that feels just intolerable but but it's you know what what's the feed, what's the feedback system that's telling us it's intolerable i guess that's what i'm asking you know, what, what is that that's saying this is intolerable? Is that not our mind too or some beliefs that we've formed somewhere along the way? Because it's clearly is tolerable because I've felt it countless times and I always, always survive it. Yeah. I'm, I don't have answers in the sense that I'm just really curious that how that... Mm-hmm. that you know even sitting here talking to you I, mean, I can recall the intensity of of those feelings and like you say how utterly personal it feels mm-hmm. and yet you know when you all those phrases we use that when you're just out you forget yourself which we do all sorts of times you know when we're cooking or you know petting the dog or when there's there's no us in the in the equation Mm -hmm. and so yeah I'm just really curious about it you know the the mind sort of is the is the author of the experience but it's also the effect of the experience (laughs) gets kind of wacky yeah I can see that well I think that one thing we can say is we have an incredibly imaginative and brilliant mind that that can uh, that can do this you know that is this powerful yeah so I wonder if in our last five to ten minutes if we can talk about like um, there there's a lot of limbo for a lot of people people who can't travel who want to go home for the holidays and can't because of the pandemic or because of restrictions um, people who don't want to go home but feel like they should go home, mm-hmm. um, people who are dealing with personal issues that leave them with a sense of limbo, um, people who, um, you know, don't know how they're going to pay rent next month. You know, what can we offer people around this to help them have a little more ease with the limbo, with the unknown, with the uncertainty? Is there anything that we can offer uh, as some kind of hope or light or or guide or something to our listeners who are in limbo right now? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to say tune into podcasts like ours and others to give yourself that pause and that space for yourselves um, just to you know, we talk a lot about system getting ramped up. And I think I love that you will often um, remind yourself and the listeners and me that, you know, 
six months ago, six years ago, you know, we all probably had stresses and difficulties we were dealing with, which we probably can't pinpoint right now unless it was a really major life event. And what looks so intense today and overwhelming and right up close, you will find some months or years down the line that naturally there comes a perspective. So with that comes that reassurance that, you know, decisions will get made, things will happen, you will or won't go home for the holidays um, and all being well, you know, the sun will rise the next day and life goes on. So I think it's totally human that we can get caught up and stressed and feel frustrated and in a dilemma. And then if you look at when you've been in that situation in the past, when you faced it with a dilemma, dilemma being that, you know, you cannot choose between two options, somewhere down the line, a choice gets made. You know, it may be forced upon you. You may suddenly have an insight and one option looks clearer than the other. You might get new information uh, that makes the decision uh, clear. You may take the decision and still not feel clear about it. But one way or another, with some things, something happens. Mm -hmm. And that's not to be, um, I'm not suggesting being passive, but it's almost like, you know, we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. Mm -hmm. We we can stress and, and, and fight and exhaust ourselves and the decision will still probably happen. We can take our foot off the gas a bit and, you know, look for some, you know, just take care of ourselves. I think that's a really big message I want to say, you know, just pay attention to the little things like sleep, eating, <laughs> um, fresh air if you can and and things things may arise but ultimately whichever way we do it you know life happens decisions get made and so there's less to worry about than we think mm -hmm. you know you cannot control the future you can only deal with like what's up for you right now in this moment or when you finish listening to this podcast so mm -hmm. I think that's what I'd like to say yeah, I think that's really helpful, Juliet. I know, you know, you said, you know, you can do it the hard way or the easy way or, or whatever. It's like, yeah, either way, it's going to work out. You know, somehow it's going to work out. We have 100% uh, survival rate. Um, you know, and the, the metaphor that came to my mind, which I think we've mentioned before, is, you know, when you are so ramped up and so confused, that may be um, a time for you to sit on the bank of yourself so that the so that the stirred up pond can come back to clarity. Uh, and then you'll, you'll have a, a clear idea of how to proceed if, if you need to proceed. And I like that image of it's, it's and the other thing that, that helps me too when I am in those kinds of ramped up agitated states is just knowing that they will pass, you know, just knowing that those, those emotional upheavals will pass in time. And, and the less I can sort of get in there and tinker with them oftentimes the faster more easily they move through me you know when I start to make that a problem and start working so hard to try to solve it um, oftentimes that leaves me a lot more agitated that's where I was yesterday I was trying to I was trying to solve this problem I have I was trying to you know just get in there and solve it and it's not a solvable thing 
and, and not not by my intellectual prowess and at any rate. It's not it's not that kind of a thing. It has to it kind of has to unfold. It's it's and I have to allow for that. And it never happens in the time in my time in my that I have in my imagination. Um, so, yeah, I think that's I think that's really helpful. Like if, if we can just allow ourselves to say. And the other thing I wanted to say, Juliet, I read something. Now I don't I, I read somebody somewhere say I cannot quote, I cannot um, reference who this person was saying that research shows that the, the single most helpful thing you can do is, is, is have kindness for yourself like that. If you want to really grow and be your best and be blah, 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 self-kindness is the answer. And I haven't looked up to try to find that research. So, you know, I, I but I do feel like if, we could be kind to ourselves in our moments of distress and kind to others in their moments of distress. I think that would go a lot further in helping and supporting than getting in there and trying to trying to fix. So I, I think that um, self-kindness in the middle of limbo is really important. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And and I think I just want to say as well that we're not kind of saying everything always works out like happy ever after. Mm-mm. We're just saying that life continues to move forward. Decisions get made. You may not like the decisions that get made, even if you're the one that makes them. So it, it's not about a sort of, you know, just cross your fingers, make a wish and it'll all be fine. That's not really what we're saying. Right. But we're we're saying that, you know, as Sid Banks used to say, life is a contact sport, mm. which, which I love. And, you know, nobody can avoid that, not in my experience. Mm-hmm. But I think I love the kindness piece because I think there is, I think what we're all looking for is, you know, is to engage wholeheartedly with life rather than to just suffer or struggle through life. And that's not about the externals and the circumstances that you're in. That's an internal um, shift. Yes. Well, I thank you, Juliet. Um, and to our listeners, I thank you. And we, um, we extend so much kindness to you today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Riffing on Realness podcast with Carla Royal and Juliet Fay. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend. We would truly appreciate it if you'd rate and review this podcast, which will help others find us. You can visit me, Carla, at CarlaRoyal.com. I am a mindset and performance coach working with high-achieving, high-performance entrepreneurs and business owners who are quietly dealing with too much mental chatter and anxiety. Juliet loves freedom of mind, which she explores and shares through poetry and conversations. Find her at soulcare.org. That's soulcare, S-O-L-C-A-R-E.org. We'll see you next time on Riffing on Realness. (music) 